You know, 10 months ago, we made a decision to redefine our direction. We knew there would be ups and downs this season. We knew that we would encounter some things that were going to be difficult, and we did. Uh, with that said, I think we're in a, a better place today than we were at this time last year. And I think we have an opportunity to grow as an organization starting today. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Levine, he goes right. Oh! Stop it, Samson! Did you not get the memo? Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Here's Cantor. What are you doing? The finisher in New York City. Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. We're going to preach patience. It doesn't mean we're not going to be looking for ways to get better, but a lot of it's going to come internally. We need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Chris Dunn to come back a better player. Lowry Markkinen, Bobby Portis, you go down the line. They have to put in the time and confident that they will. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Like I said at the beginning, I feel better today about our, our direction and our position than I did a year ago. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, Dash Radio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, writer of Bulls Basketball in the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com. College Hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Peck, writer of Bulls Basketball in the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and host of the 312 Show on AM 1590 WCGO in Chicago. Follow us on social media on Twitter at LockedOnBulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash LockedOnShyBulls. And subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line, 331-979-1369. We did mailbag yesterday, so if you're just catching up, we dropped that episode a little bit late. So hit us up there. React to any of the questions, any of the conversations we've had this week. We want to hear from you, so drop us a voicemail or text 331-979-1369. Matt, welcome back. We've got some Bulls things to go over today. Bleacher Report doesn't really like Zach Levine, so we've got that to go over as well. But how you doing first and foremost? I, I can't lie, Jordan. I'm I'm kind of somber. I'm in a bit of a somber mood this morning. I don't know if you heard, but uh, the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, passed away this morning. There were reports yesterday or the day before that she was in, in pretty critical condition. Um I just, you know, I've I've been I've been watching that uh, diner scene from Blues Brothers on loop all morning because it's like that is how I learned who Aretha Franklin was was when my older brother made me watch Blues Brothers when I was just a kid. I don't know, I was probably like eight or nine years old, and I was like, oh my god, that scene where she's singing that song "Think" in the diner and uh, Jake and Elwood are dancing back up and she's got her backup singers and Matt Guitar Murphy's there being all stank face. That song by Aretha, I, I was blown away by her talent, obviously, but that was like when I really first started to learn what soul music was and, and like the, the insane amount of impact that, that can have on like your emotional state. I mean, I, my, my music tastes are all over the place. You know, I've mentioned it on the show before. I like show tunes, I like heavy metal, and I like everything in between. But Aretha, and especially Aretha, when I first saw Blues Brothers, I mean, oh my God, like what a talent and what a talent that graced one of the most iconic Chicago movies with her presence for a few short minutes. So 
I, you know, I'm a little sad today, but I'm I'm remembering Aretha fondly. Uh, so yes, definitely a sad day for her, but I'll definitely always remember her and Blues Brothers. That's the first thing that I went to when I saw that news too, as well. Four fried chickens and a coke. <laughs> All right, so today on this episode, like I said before, we want to touch on uh, sort of the back end of the Bulls rotation, what things look like, how the roster is set so far, what we're going to see in training camp, and who ultimately might beat out for that last spot on the Bulls roster. So we're going to talk about that in the beginning, and then we're going to spend the majority of the episode at the back end talking about an article that Bleacher Report dropped today talking about the most overhyped NBA players coming into the 2018-2019 season. Because once again, another Bulls player is on that list, like I would mentioned, Zach Levine. So we'll talk about that in the later stages. But you know, we touched on it earlier, Matt, The yesterday's episode. We talked about Derek Walton Jr. signing a contract with the Bulls. Obviously, it's not guaranteed, um, but it also is not a two-way contract, so they're going to get give him a legitimate look. Uh, this is a pretty decent move for the Bulls. Uh, like, I'm glad that they're actually bringing in talents that I'm intrigued by and in positions that they can at least get a look at. Uh, you saw the Bulls sign Raleigh Atkins a couple weeks ago to a two-way contract, as well as giving Ryan Archidiacono another look uh, with a partial guarantee on his contract as well, and then also picking up Antonius Cleveland off of waivers from Atlanta. So they're going to have a bunch of different players to at least take a look at and see who will fill that final roster spot. What do you think of Derek Walton Jr. or of any of these guys sort of at the back end of their uh, of the Bulls roster and anybody that you're kind of rooting for? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll start with this. I went back yesterday and looked at some of the film on uh, on Derek. At, I looked at his games from Michigan. He was a big part of that Michigan team uh, in the 2017 March Madness tournament. Yeah, don't remind me. And, uh, and I also looked at some of his film from the Miami Heat summer league games this season because when you like he played a handful I think like 17 games with the the real Miami Heat squad last season but there really isn't a whole lot to evaluate there like his box score is like 1.1 rebound one assist across the board in not a whole lot of minutes but watching him in these uh, summer league games from just a couple of months ago I, I really liked what I saw from him and obviously summer league is summer league that 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 goes without saying but we'll say it but what struck me more so than anything is that he's a very gifted passer and he he's a pretty darn good ball handler as well. He can break guys down off the dribble. He can create his own shot off the dribble. He can penetrate the defense for kickouts. He's also, I mean, he's talented passing in traffic, which you want from some of your undersized guards who are doing a lot of ball handling. And there are also, I saw several times in his film, uh, examples of him having really solid court vision. And making great outlet passes, making great passes, no-look passes on backdoor cuts and and full-court passes and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, he can create his own shot. He's got a decent mid-range game. He can finish at the rim fairly well for an undersized guard. But I really liked his passing. So that's something that clearly Fred Hoiberg will want to be looking at because that's what he wants from all of his various guards, combo guards, point guards, and shooting guards, is can you keep that ball moving? We don't want that ball to get stuck. That's something that Fred's been harping on for years now uh, and now finally has starting to accumulate some of the players who were able to do that. Um, Zach Levine being kind of the exception last year and and that showed its face. But so that was my takeaway is I I don't know if this kid's going to actually make his way into the conversation for who who gets minutes, who makes a spot for themselves in the back end of his rotation. But I liked what I saw when I looked at it. I remember him from that, his Big Ten tournament appearance, too, and their drive all the way to win the Big Ten tournament. 
He was Big Ten Tournament uh, Player of the Year, or Player yeah, of the Tournament, I should so say. I looked at that. He was a great shooter, too, in college, especially his final two years. And then I, I went to look at his G League stats because I was curious, how did that translate over to, and I know the G League isn't all that great, but it's a little bit of a step up above college basketball, I would consider. So looked at his, his stats here from 2017-18 with the Sioux Falls Sky Force. 32 minute, 32.4 minutes per game. He played in 27 games and started in every single one of those games. He averaged 16.1 points, 7.1 assists, 4 rebounds, and 1.5 steals. He shot on a clip of 44.2% and then 37.7% from 3. So th- those are all good things. Like If he can knock down the 3, which the Bulls need a, a guard, a point guard especially, to be able to knock down the three, and you talked about Chris Dunn needing to get better at that, and saw a little bit of a flash from campaign to be able to knock down the three. I don't know if that'll last or if that will continue. I think ultimately this is going to come down to best case scenario for me. I'd like to see Ryan Archidiakno. I think Ryan Archidiakno, if he plays well in in training camp, he'll probably get that 15th spot on the roster that very last spot there. I think the Bulls are really hyped on him more so than I think a lot of other people are. He's kind of just that dog player that a lot of people like. But Derek Walton Jr. I think could be the same. I think best case scenario though, Derek Walton Jr. signs to a two-way deal again with the Bulls, which would be great to see. And we still don't really know what Antonius Cleveland can be either. I've watched some film on him as well. He's a great defender. I don't know if he's a pure scorer or not, but he can knock down the three as well. So I think it's going to be a good battle between four guys that are looking, three, four guys that are looking to, you know, secure that last spot on the Bulls roster. So if you had to pick one of these guys, Derek Walton Jr., Antonius Cleveland, Ryan Archidiakono to grab that final spot, and then you also have the two-way contract too, what would you like to see here from these three players? And I know it doesn't matter that much, but any of the three guys kind of pique your interest at all? I mean, I guess I would say, my answer is none of them right now, from what I've seen from them, either in Bulls jerseys or Windy City jerseys or wherever they've been playing thus far, stand out a whole lot higher among the rest. The one I would say, and and I hate to do it to him, and, I, and I'm not trying to be mean, but I, I, I still just don't believe in Ryan Archidiakono as an NBA player. I don't. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think it would be a waste if the Bulls decided to bring him back as one of their two-way players because he's only partially guaranteed right now, as you said. Uh, I, I would like it if one of these other guys that we're talking about, you know, Raleigh Alkins and Antonius Cleveland and now Derek Walton, are one of the other guys that uh, make that as a two-way player. And if, you know, God forbid somebody gets hurt this season or whatever and they need somebody to step up, they can pull one of those guys but for me, my only answer is I'd, I'd be kind of bummed and skeptic uh, if it if it was Archie Diacono. Yeah, I'd be curious, especially, and this might go back to Derek Walton, how well he plays in training camp as well. But knowing that the Bulls have to pay partial guaranteed money to Ryan Archie Diacono, and I know they can put him back on the two-way deal if they want to do that. Um, but I think they're probably genuinely curious about Antonius Cleveland, too. I suggest you watch tape on him as well because he can play the two and the three. Um, there's spots where he's locking down guys like Kawhi Leonard and Andrew Wiggins, and he was brought in to do that. So you look at look at that, and I think it depends on whether or not you believe in your guard depth or if you want to go with another guy that can maybe play the wing and come in and it stretches and play defense for you. I think you're going to maybe monitor yourself more towards Antonio's Cleveland than maybe one of these two guards. 
But I think the option for the Bulls, not only having the roster spot available, but also having another two-way contract still available, kind of makes it a little bit easier. And with the Bulls having three players now that they can get a decent look at throughout training camp, I just I know what you're saying about Ryan Archie Diacono, and I think I feel the same way too. Uh, He's sort of that grinder player, that guy that gives 120% effort. He might be right now, if you're looking at this roster before knowing what happens in training camp, I think he'd probably be most likely to get that 15th spot on the roster. And Derek Walton Jr. or Antonius Cleveland are going to have to show something in order to take that away from him, especially because he's got partial guaranteed money on his contract this year. I think, really, we glossed over the elephant in the room and we missed the forest for the trees, and that is that the Sioux City Sky Force is the coolest non-NBA team name for a basketball team that I have heard in quite some time. You got the alliteration, Sky Force. Now, here's the question, though. Is it in any way related to, tangentially or otherwise, to the up-and-coming Space Force? (laughs) Uh, You know, the new branch of the United States military. We're going to build a Space Force. It's going to be great. Oh, my God. So, yes. Really? Sioux City Sky Force? That is such a great name. we got to take a short break here on Locked on Bulls. When we come back, we're talking about Bleach Report's article of overhyped NBA players to the 2018-2019 season. Because Zach Levine is on that list. So, we're talking about that to finish up the show. Stay right here with us at Locked on Bulls. Be back in 60 seconds. Back here on Locked On Bulls, you once again you can hit us up 331-979-1369. Text and voicemails there. Hit us up on social media at Locked On Bulls on Twitter. Like us on Facebook as well. Hit us up in any three of those places. Drop us a voicemail. We want to hear from you. 331-979-1369. All right, Matt, you brought this article to my attention just before we were recording the show. And I don't know if I buy too much into it, but the headline reads, most overhyped players in the NBA coming into the 2018-19 season. Five players listed. Zach Levine is one of the five players listed here. So what do you think about this and the the, the reasons that Bleacher Report backed this up, the writer backed his argument up about Zach Levine coming into this season being overhyped. What do you think about it? Well, yeah, so just uh, for those of our listeners who maybe haven't seen this BR article about overhyped guys coming into the season, I'll give you the the quick hit right here. Uh, The real problem is that even if Levine reaches his apex as an offensive weapon, there's little reason to believe he'll be a net positive player. That's because he's one of the worst defenders in the NBA. In 16-17, he ranked 441st out of 468 players in ESPN's defensive real plus-minus metric. Last year, he was 490th out of 521. According to Basketball Ref, he's never posted a defensive box plus-minus in positive territory. He topped out at minus 2.0 in his abbreviated 17-18 season. Suppose Levine shoots 40% from three and averages 20 points per game on decent efficiency, something like his career-best 54.4 EFG percentage he managed in 47 games with the Wolves two seasons ago. The Bulls will still have a guy who gives up more points on D than he gets them on O, and also one who hasn't demonstrated the ability to make teammates better. So there is that take from Bleacher Report on why Levine is overhyped. And Jordan, I can't necessarily say I disagree with any of the stats they brought up about his defense. And we have talked about Levine being a really weak defensive link on this team. Showed very little interest in playing defense last season. Gets lost on switches all the time. Checks out mentally. 
And that's the one of the other big concerns for those of us in the we're afraid of Jawari playing the three camp is that now you're talking about a huge defensive hole where Levine and Parker are playing next to each other at the two and the three and dear God, oh, oh, the humanity. So the, the real question and the, what they bring up here is can Levine be so good offensively that his net positive and his offensive production outweighs how bad he is on defense. And it seems like the the Bleacher Report uh, person who wrote this is skeptical that he can be more of a weapon on offense than he is a liability on defense. And it's hard to disagree with that in, from my perspective. Can somebody explain to me that if he feels about Zach Levine this way so staunchly about his defense, why isn't Devin Booker on this list? Let me just remind people about Devin Booker. First of all, Devin Booker just signed a five-year, $158 million max contract. And I get it. He's proved that he's a better offensive player than Zach Levine is at this point in his career, three years in. And he also doesn't have an ACL injury, too. Granted, I get all that. But let me just remind you, if you want to talk about defensive metrics for a second, Devin Booker, defensive rating in his rookie year, 112. Second year, 116. Third year, 115. Those are those are among the worst defensive ratings for players in the NBA. You look at Zach Levine's as well, 114, 112, 115, 111. Okay, that's pretty similar, pretty damn similar. You look at his defensive box plus minus, you look at Devin Booker's defensive box plus minus, minus 2.4, minus 2.7, minus 2.4. He's a career minus 2.5 defensive box plus minus player. Zach Levine, career, minus 2.5 defensive box plus minus player. So if this writer thinks that Zach Levine is so overhyped in 2018-2019, why is Devin Booker not on this list? Devin Booker is making a max contract as one of the worst defenders in the NBA. And I get it, he averaged 24 points last year. I'm not taking that away from him. You highlighted those reasons in your preface to your statement and argument for why is Booker not on the list when Levine is, and it is the fact that he doesn't have a torn ACL in his review year, and he is a, through three seasons, proven to be a more deadly offensive weapon because Levine's highest scoring season, which was shortened by injury, 16-17, 18.9 points per game, and that was his third season. In Devin Booker's second season, he was at 22.1 points per game, and his third season, 25. So, I'm, I mean, the difference is right there, Jordan. You, you might make the argument that it's a, it's so, such a subtle difference that it doesn't make sense for one to be on the list and one the other because of their defensive metrics being similar, and that Booker is also a defensive giant gaping hole the way Zach Levine is, but... Some players in this league are so valuable and more valuable than others because of their offensive weaponry and their offensive arsenal in spite of their defensive weaknesses. I don't think Zach Levine has showed enough on the offensive end to be in that category of, well, yeah, he's bad at defense, but he's so gifted offensively and he's going to get you more points than he gives up on a given night that that, that argument is is valid. So... Yeah, Devin Booker's not a great defensive player, but he's already in earlier seasons than Levine and two years younger than Levine proven to be a much more dominant scorer in the league. The only thing I take away from that is who on Phoenix in his first three years was another scoring option that they had. 
Like, like think about that, think about Zach fair. Levine. That's fair. Devin Booker was asked to do a lot more as a rookie and a second year player than Zach Levine, who was playing behind Wiggins and then playing behind exactly. Wiggins and Towns. Like, I get it. I get so, it. And you also look at the but volume of whether or not he's had the opportunity is not related to the numbers and what he's wait, done. Wait, 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 wait. What do you mean? It's not related. I'm just saying, like, it should I'm, be I'm related. Just, no, 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 it's not. Because the the reason that maybe Zach Levine's scoring numbers are not as high as Devin Booker's is because he played behind a couple of people as far as offensive options, whereas Devin Booker was thrust into a prominent role right away. That doesn't have anything to do with the fact that right now, today, coming into this new NBA season, Devin Booker has proven himself to be a more deadly offensive weapon than Zach Levine has. I get what you're saying, but it does relate a little bit. I mean, when you're playing behind Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins at the time, which both of those guys were the better scoring options, Zach Levine was the third wheel on that. Devin Booker didn't have anybody around him. Look at the the volume of scoring he had in his second and third year. I know. 18.3 field goals per game and 19.5. Jordan, I get what you're saying, but I'm saying that that has nothing to do with the fact that the numbers are the numbers and Devin Booker is widely recognized as a more dominant offensive threat in the NBA right now than Zach Levine is. I get that, but I'm going back to the Bleacher Report article and wondering why Devin Booker isn't on this list. Because Devin Booker is not overhyped. Devin Booker is adequately hyped as a young guy who has come into his own as a 20-plus points per game scorer. Maybe on a bad team, sure, who cares? But that's not what we're talking about. I don't know how you can't talk about that when you're talking about overhyped players. And you're looking at Devin Booker. Like, if if you if you plugged Zach Levine on that Phoenix roster for three years, you don't think he could score 20 points per game if he stayed healthy? That his numbers wouldn't look as similar to Devin Booker's? Maybe. Could he, could he score a 70-point game? I mean, that doesn't matter, man. Come on. D- doesn't it? That's one game. That, no, that's one game, man. I'm talking about yeah, the overall Yeah, but it's one game look. where the dude demonstrates his ability to offensively take over a game. And we only saw that maybe a couple times yeah, from Zach Yeah, well, that's 25 games coming off an ACL injury where he had restric- a restricted minutes limit. He also wasn't allowed to play back-to-backs, and he was also had a garbage team around him, too. Jordan, I'm, I mean, like, dude, it's a simple argument. I think you're making it too complicated. Take a straw poll among NBA fans who pay attention and know who Devin Booker is and know who Zach Levine is. I would argue that probably somewhere between 70 and 80 percent of those of those NBA fans in the know would easily say if posed the question, who's the more dominant offensive player and the stronger offensive weapon? The answer is Devin Booker over Zach Levine. Of course it is. That's not my that's not my argument. My argument is if if Zach Levine is overhyped this season, then the contract Devin Booker just signed comparing his numbers. I get it. He's an offensive scorer. He can score. He proved that last year on a really, really bad Phoenix team. A historically bad Phoenix team. He also only played 54 games last year. 24.9 points per game. Season before that, I get 22.1 points per game. That's great. But look at the volume of shots Devin Booker was taking compared to Zach Levine. That's all I'm saying is just compare the two players. Think about the contracts that they signed this offseason. And if Zach Levine is overhyped... Devin Booker should be right be- right behind him, trailing right behind him. You're paying a guy a max contract that's one of the worst defenders in the NBA? Really? And you look at field goal percentage, you look at three-point percentage as well. Minus Zach Levine's 25 games with the Bulls, you look back to his Minnesota days, Zach Levine was a better shooter. 45.9%, 45.2%, 42.2%. Devin Booker, 42.3%. First two years, both years. Last year, 43.2%. 
That's all I'm saying, man, is I'm not saying Devin Booker isn't a better player than Zach Levine today. I get that. He is. He's a better scorer as well. But to say Zach Levine is overhyped next year and one of the most overhyped players in the NBA next year, I think that's kind of a far-fetched because you don't have Devin Booker on this list, too. In five years, $158 million to a guy that's really only proved that he can score on a bad Phoenix Suns team... That's what else a, can he do? So he should be trailing not, right behind Zach Levine on this list. That Devin Booker has big shoes to fill of his own. Con- that the the shoes being his own insanely humongous contract. But the Suns had no alternative option there. Of course they were going to sign him to a max deal because he is the piece that they want to build around. What what I will grant you is that look, I I don't ca- I don't think that Devin Booker should be on that list of overhyped because I think Devin Booker is a great young offensive player. And he's he's not. He's not overhyped. I think he's adequately hyped. What I will grant you is that Levine being on this list of most overhyped players coming into this season is a bit strange. And maybe like who it's it's you know, who does this Bleacher Report uh, columnist think is doing the hyping? Because because they also alluded to Levine's contract situation, the fact that the Bulls decided to match the Kings offer of four years and nearly 80 million dollars. And he doesn't look like a player who's worth that. I think collectively, and not just among Bulls fans, and they might have a higher percentage of we believe in Zach Levine as a piece of the core versus the greater scope of NBA fans in general who know who Zach Levine is and might think that it was a little little wacky that the Bulls matched that offer from the Kings. I don't think that Zach Levine is overhyped. I think Zach Levine is adequately hyped, maybe a little underhyped, and that largely going around the league right now and a, a significant portion of the Bulls fan base there's skepticism about how Zach how much Zach Levine is worth and how good he can be so in that sense it's a little weird to see him on this overhyped list because I don't think that there are a whole lot of people out there saying oh Zach Levine's about to have an all-star season I've heard that from a couple people but it's certainly not the the overarching narrative for Zach Levine coming into this year Yeah, it's definitely strange like I think I agree with one of the five players on this list that he brought up that this writer brought up He's got Jason Tatum, number one, which, okay. I mean, I guess that's a coin flip as far as thinking about overhypedness. But come on. He had a, ridic- I, okay, he had a ridiculous let, okay. rookie year. Yes, yes, Jason Tatum is good uh, and on his way to being really good. But what some people, when they're doing their you know top 10 or top 20 ranks of best players in the league and then NBA 2K rated, he's outranking guys who are superstars in their prime or at least perennial all-stars in their prime and I'm saying whoa like let's pump the brakes yeah it looks like Jason Tatum has a really bright NBA future but to suggest that he's all of a sudden like a like a top 15 player in the league like come on people that is overhyped that deserves to be on a list of players who are Marcus Cousins as well I don't think anybody's overhyping Demarcus Cousins like we know he's coming off an eight, an Achilles injury and we've never seen a big man his size tear his, his Achilles and come back and be healthy so I don't think there's an overhype there it's just the fact that you've cut one of the most dominant big men's before that injury joining a historically great Golden State Warriors team so maybe they just eliminate DeMarcus Cousins in this and just put Golden State Warriors at the top of that too well and he um, does I mean he's got big shoes to fill in in Golden State I mean sure. JaVale McGee Ain't ain't no clown. JaVale McGee ain't ain't no scrub. I don't think it's a make or break type thing either. And yeah, they did lose no. JaVale McGee to the I'm, Lakers. I'm really, but. really curious to see how Boogie works out with that Warriors team once he comes back. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was weird for him to be on this overhyped list too. Because it's like everybody knows who Boogie is, what he can do. 
and he's on a pretty small contract coming onto the best team in the league. So, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I don't know why why Boogie made this list either. And, wh- and who's who's hyping up Josh Jackson? A lot of people. A lot of people are talking about Josh Jackson having a breakout year. Post All Star break, cool. Josh Jackson, eighteen point eighteen point two points per game. Post All-Star break, he had like six rebounds per game as well. He played pretty good in 30 minutes. But also, let's also remember too, Devin Booker didn't play in like 15 to 20 of the final games of the NBA season. So they needed somebody to score on that Phoenix roster. Once again, Booker was out. Booker was shut down for the season starting March 17th. And yeah, so they had somewhere around like a dozen or maybe 15 games in that span where Josh Jackson stepped up and took more of that scoring burden. Um, So... With with or without Devin Booker, though, I think people were saying, all right, so Booker, they they didn't have Booker for the last 15 or however many games of the season, and Josh Jackson proved that after being fairly quiet in the the first part of that season, that he could, in fact, become a larger scoring option for them. So I think that's where the hype is coming from, from Josh Jackson to say, okay, clearly Devin Booker is still going to be our number one scorer. But when it comes to your argument from earlier about how Devin Booker was the only dude on those bad Suns teams who could score, now you're adding perhaps another piece that Phoenix is trying to build around, and Josh Jackson can be that second option to Devin Booker. And I think that's why there's some hype around it. I'd agree, though, that he's overhyped. So that would be like the only person on this list that I would agree with. You, so you don't agree. You don't agree that Jason Tatum's overhyped like I do. I think the hype is coming more so from the Celtics fan base and kind of oozing out to the rest no, of the NBA. Have, have you have you seen some of these insane rankings that people are putting out where like Jason Jason Tatum is ranked above perennial all-stars still in their prime? And I'm like, people, please chill the F out. You could throw Donovan Mitchell into that conversation, too. Do you think Donovan Mitchell's overhyped? Uh... Maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit, just because we've we've seen one year, one year is having these guys ranked over like perennial all stars, like you were saying, I think is a little bit ridiculous. Uh, but we'll see, we'll 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 honestly see. But back to my main point about Zach Levine. If Zach Levine is overhyped this season, four years, seventy eight million dollars at nineteen point five million, and you want to use the ACL injury as part of your your argument, cool, but. If you don't have if you have Zach Levine on this list because he's a bad defensive player, which this writer does, he is using that as his strength and core part of his argument. Come on, man, you, you got to look at Devin Booker and the contract he just signed as well, and I'll, think I'll, about the production there. I'll, I'll say it again, and then we can be done with it. Yes, they cite Levine as a bad defensive player for being on that list, and you are making the parallel that Devin Booker is also a bad defensive player. But Devin Booker is a better offensive player than Zach Levine right now, hands down. There's no debate about that. Look at the sample size. Look at the work. Look at the resume. Devin Booker is a more valuable offensive weapon right now coming into this 18-19 season than Zach Levine has proved to be. And that is why. I don't disagree at all on that. His numbers prove it. But we'll see. Now that he's got a few weapons on this team, we'll see if that actually stays. Like, if he stays at 24.2 points per game, we'll see if that happens. As, as, a, as a perhaps also overhyped Chicagoan once said... 
Nobody's paying anybody to play defense. So maybe this is all a moot point. Well, I think that's going to about do it here on Locked On Bulls. Once again, you can follow us on social media at Locked On Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley, and at Bulls underscore Peck. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Locked On Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and any refined podcast you will find us. Text and voicemail lines at 331-979-1369. Hit us up. Don't be shy. We want to hear from you. Drop us a voicemail or text message. Once again, 331-979-1369. We're live on Dash Radio, DashRadio.com, and the Dash Radio app on the Nothing But Net channel. We're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central Time. For Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley. Bulls Nation, have a wonderful day. We'll be back on Friday with a fresh episode to lead you into the weekend. For Jordan and Matt, we are out. Deuces. Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com, part of FanRag Sports.